Pam had a good heart emotionally, but it was failing her physically. That's when Emma made the difficult decision to donate her beloved 20-year-old son, Mario's heart. The best choice I ever made in my life is to let my baby live on. Oh, Emma, I thank God for you. Thank you. We will never let you go because I'm here (laughs) and Mario's here. He just is in me. This is the best of The Journey Continues. Pam Morris Walton and Emma O'Neill were our very first guests when we launched this podcast that's committed to promoting kidney health and organ donation through powerful stories. I'm your host, Monica Fox, kidney transplant recipient and Director of Outreach and Government Relations for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. We've heard some amazing stories from our guests on this series about the journeys of kidney patients, living donors, transplant recipients, and donor families. We'd like to share segments of some of the emotional stories and encourage you to check out the full episodes for the full stories. We'll begin with Emma and Pam, two women who like to say they're connected at the heart because Pam's new heart was donated by Emma, mother of Mario Cousins, who was declared brain dead after being shot in the head by a stranger in 2016. As a result, the lives of seven strangers were saved, including Pam. Let's listen together as Pam tells us about her life post-transplant. I was blessed with the second chance at life. I look at things differently now because I didn't have to be here. He didn't have to save my life and let me be blessed because I know to get someone else's heart, someone else, something has to happen to that person for me to get someone else's heart as you to get someone's possibly kidney. God bless me to be able to enjoy my family, my grandchildren, and of course, the things that mean so much to me, my husband, who spent 57 days with me and was there every day. It meant the world. My church friends, my pastor, just getting another opportunity to take life a little bit more seriously is what God afforded me. I'm a little emotional, so I hope it's okay. I, I, you know, when I talk about this, even when I wrote about it, it was it was difficult. It is impossible not to get emotional about a gift such as this. The selfless gift that um, a family gives when they make a decision about organ donation um, mm-hmm. and, and the gift that that people give their families when they decide in advance yeah. that they would be willing to help someone through the miracle of organ donation. So I understand your emotion um, and the idea that although we know that our lives were saved, um, we do feel for that family and their loss. That's right. Nobody, nobody, Monica, would know what I'm talking about unless they have gotten that experience. Well, you let something happen to you where you can't live. You will die. Death is not negotiable. It's non-negotiable. So they gave me the ultimatum of not getting a new heart and just going to nothing, just disappearing, going into hospice, not living because I had that pick line 
in my arm. And they said that wasn't good for me, but for so long, but God. So I probably am going to be praising him every day of the rest of my life. So what do you do with that gratitude? I hear the overwhelming gratitude and emotion in your voice. How do you express that? I, I, I tell people sometimes without them asking. <laughs> I've always had energy. I've always loved peppermint tea. But uh, this is double excitement now because, see, I got a young heart. Okay? I, 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 I got a young heart. And I wasn't a young, that young of a lady when God blessed me with the heart that he has given to me. So the gratefulness is almost indescribable, Monica. Almost really indescribable. I'm just grateful. Wow. Um, so, so let's lighten it up and let's talk about if any of your tastes or preferences changed after you received Mario's heart. Absolutely. Tell me about it. Well, I've always loved hamburgers, Uh huh. but I never loved them like I love them now. I've always cheeseburgers. I can't wait to get, well, I don't know if I should tell you this, but I love five guys. <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> and, and if my if my husband passes what I have to tell him, please stop. I have to do that. I love cereal. I can't eat enough frosted flakes. And I never really cared about them that much. I'd eat them every now and then, but I found out that he loved them. And I eat fruit, fresh fruit. I could eat a whole watermelon. Wow. I never, you know, I could eat slices before, but I have a, I have a thirst for that. I, I will eat a bowl of cereal at night. And Mario influenced this? Yes. Yes, he did. Because when I did, you know, when we met and got a chance to meet and talk and, you know, uh, I asked her, uh, I said, did Mario like cheeseburgers? Did he like cereal? She said, yes. She said, Oh, and then you should have seen the emotion on her face. It was like, oh, my baby, my baby. Wow. That, that, that's my baby. That's my baby. And then together we said fruit. Together those words came out. And I said, and she said, there's something else he loved. And together we said fruit. I said, yes, I can't get enough fruit. I mean, I can eat blueberries and strawberries and, and raspberries without stopping and never had that urge to do that before in my life. It was okay. I would eat, you know, if they're serving it or something, but now I cannot get enough of it. And when I tell you about cornflakes, I'm sorry, frosted flakes, mm -hmm. I will eat them for lunch, breakfast, and dinner. And my husband said, are you okay? I said, yes, we fine. Jacqueline Burgess Bishop is someone who knows how to serve the community. And I'm someone who knows how to serve her because she's my boss, the CEO of the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. But she also has a personal connection to kidney disease. I recall as a child uh, growing up, my mom would tell me about her mother who died when she was 14 years old. And at that point, we know that my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, passed away as a result of kidney disease. 
So in the case of many individuals that have an opportunity to meet their grandparents, meet their grandmother, have a wonderful relationship, I never had that opportunity. And for me, that's personal and the opportunity to change the trajectory on kidney disease is also very personal. Thank you for sharing that personal insight. So Jackie, you have a background in healthcare. Can you tell us what makes NKFI necessary? What makes NKFI necessary is the fact that one in three American adults are at risk for kidney disease and are not even aware of it. The other factor that makes NKFI necessary is the opportunity to engage with individuals, caregivers, donors, recipients, persons that are currently in different stages of kidney disease, those receiving hemodialysis, peritoneal dialysis, dialysis at home, the range of impact that we can have in educating and providing additional free services makes a very profound difference. You know, with NKFI, we look at the entire continuum from prevention all the way through, we would say, transplant and post-transplant with the goal of truly having an impact on the lives of persons impacted by kidney disease. So with NKFI and the outreach that we're able to provide, the information we're able to provide, the research that we help to fund, and the advocacy, it provides a platform. We provide a platform and we provide a voice for those that may not have a voice. And we provide a platform for information for those that may not even be aware. And Jackie, what are the programs that NKFI has in place um, with regard to prevention? So our prevention programs relate to, for example, kidneys in the kitchen. What that helped to do is prevent the progression of the disease. Uh, Our Living with Kidney Disease and Transplantation Program has the living with component of it. There also, during the programmatic curriculum, we definitely address prevention, diet, nutrition, exercise, and I would say our premier area as we look at prevention and early detection is through the kidney mobile, where we go throughout the state of Illinois and perform kidney disease screenings. And based on the results, we direct or encourage those that have been screened to contact their primary care provider. And more importantly, we follow up in terms of seeing what's that contact made. Veterans spend years fighting for their country, and many come out fighting injuries, mental and chronic illnesses, such as Durante Briggs, kidney transplant recipient, Gulf War veteran, and CEO of Veterans Transplantation Association. The mission of Veteran Transplantation Association is to provide resources for those veterans in need of a transplant or dealing with some type of disease that can lead to a transplant, well, we give them the educational material to educate them on the process of what they're dealing with. Because I wanted them to have 
the information that I did not have, the benefits from the uh, Department of Veteran Affairs and different organizations that um, DTA, that we basically have some form of partnership and we work together to do things in the community to educate those those veterans and non-veterans. That's just wonderful. You know, just listening to your journey, it's obvious that there are lots of holes along the way, lots of places where you had to push forward for yourself. And like you said, advocate for yourself. And many people don't have that initiative. So it sounds like your organization will um, help with that. So what advice do you have for other veterans who are facing kidney disease and uh, potential transplantation? One thing, you have to be able to become your own advocate. Learn what you're dealing with. Educate yourself so that you can ask your specialist that, that question that you may not have the answer to. And get into support groups. Be around individuals that can help you cope with what you're dealing with, whether it's mental health, because mental health is going to be there because of the fact that of the things that you may be dealing with from the disease, dealing with from transplantation, from dealing with the side effects of the medication from transplantation. So all of these things that we're going to be dealing with, but you have to advocate. When you go to get your lab work, know your numbers and know what your numbers mean before you even see your physician. That way you can educate your physician and let your physician know, hey, I'm on top of my care. And and that's very important. Durante, tell me, what major projects is VTA working on? It's a um, retreat to have a couple of cottages on seven acres of land with a prayer garden, memorial garden, with a, a, a wall, memorial wall with a water fountain coming out where we plan on having a grave place on the bricks of veteran family members who are suffering with any type of transplanted related disease that I've already deceased from kidney disease or any, any form of disease where they'll be able to just come get away in a rural area and remember their loved ones. So that's something that, you know, we're in the phase, phase two of it right now and we continue to move forward and hopefully this project will be completed within the next two years. We've just heard a few very emotional stories about the journey our guests have taken, but I couldn't leave without sharing one more very personal story with you, my own. And to tell that story, we brought in a very special guest to host the podcast, my daughter, Olivia. So here we are at my favorite part of the story, the miracle. So you and I have always had early morning conversations and I will never forget one morning, our conversation was interrupted by a phone call. Can you tell me about, or at least remind me about what this phone call was like for you and what it was about? Yes. So I remember vividly, it was about 7 a.m. on a Monday morning and we were chatting and my phone rang and I recognized the name that came on over my phone, but it wasn't something, someone who I talked to regularly that would usually call at that hour of the morning. It was one of my um, sort of distant relatives who had offered to be a living donor for me at one point, but that didn't work out. 
I mean, she called and she shared a story about a family friend of hers whose uncle had been injured in an accident and they were preparing to donate his organs. And she asked me if I was still waiting for a kidney and I told her yes. And she asked if she could give them my name and number. And in that moment, my heart stopped and I thought, oh my God, could this be it? Could this be the time that my gift is coming? So I gave her permission to give them my name and number and I hung up and I was stunned. And you said, who was that? What happened? And when I explained it to you, you couldn't believe it. And we immediately just stopped and prayed. And then I thought, oh my goodness, this was the week of Thanksgiving and I was baking cakes and things for other people as a hobby. And I had cakes to bake that day. And I said, oh, what will I do? I have orders to fill. And so immediately I got a call back from the OPO, uh, the organ procurement organization in Memphis, where the accident had occurred, who asked for my transplant coordinator's number. And oh, the calls just started coming. But the amazing call that I received was from his daughter. His daughter called me directly to tell me that her father was a match for me. And that was the call that saved my life. His daughter was the same age as you, is the same age as you. And she was his legal next of kin. And she called to say that she was getting ready to sign the paperwork for her father to be a donor and that his kidney was being earmarked to be sent to me. And the other call that I got that was absolutely amazing after all the testing had been done for the kidney and that they had said the kidney was on a plane being sent to Chicago and that I should get to the hospital to be prepped for surgery. I received a call with a message from his mom and his mom had asked my friend if my mother was still alive. And she asked that my friend tell my mother that this was her gift to my mom, that she wanted her to tell me that she expected great things of me because her son would have done great things. And that was just, those messages really just lifted me up and helped me know that this was a plan and that this was the perfect gift for me. And so I went to the hospital. I was in surgery overnight. You stayed there all night by yourself waiting for me to come out. And I woke up feeling 200% better and oh, so grateful on the day before Thanksgiving, 2016. So how did you feel when you found out that the transplant was successful? It was the best feeling ever. Doctors told me that everything had gone well. And I think that that was the first time I had ever cried happy tears in my life. We had experienced the miracle of donation and transplantation. How has this journey impacted your purpose? Well, it has impacted my purpose because every morning I wake up and I have the desire to do good. I have a desire to make a difference for others who are on this journey. And that's because of Milton. Milton was a son, a brother, a father, an uncle, um, a gregarious person, according to his mother, who was so well loved by his family and especially his mother and daughter. Milton and his family gave me a gift. And this is not a gift for which you can just say thank you. This is a gift that requires action because the word thank you 
just isn't enough. And that's why I do what I do. And it fulfills me each and every day. Milton was my donor and I honor his legacy each and every day and will continue to do so with my life, my work, and this podcast because the journey continues. Thank you for listening to this very special edition of The Best of the Journey Continues. We have many more stories that have been told and are waiting to be told. I hope you'll join us again. Are you a registered organ donor? Have the conversation with your family. If Milton hadn't discussed his decision with his daughter and mom, I might not be here talking with you today. I'm so grateful that he did, so my journey could continue. If you'd like to learn more about advocating for organ donation, contact Gift of Hope at giftofhope.org. At NKFI, prevention is a major part of our mission. That's why at the end of each episode, you'll hear a nutrition tip. Here's Dr. Melissa Prest. Here's today's nutrition tip all about protein. Protein is one of the three macronutrients. A macronutrient is something that your body needs in a larger amount to properly function. Carbohydrates and fats make up the other two macronutrients. Proteins help to support body tissue and muscle growth and also provide energy. People with kidney disease know that protein is an important part of their diet. In the middle to later stages of kidney disease, the amount of protein in each meal is often reduced. People in stages three to five, not on dialysis, may be asked to swap some of their protein choices from an animal-based protein, like poultry, fish, seafood, and meat, to a plant-based protein, like legumes, nuts, seeds, and tofu. Eating more plant-based proteins may be protective of your kidneys. People who are treated with dialysis lose a little bit of protein every time they have a dialysis treatment. So people treated with dialysis need to replace protein lost and will have to eat more protein in a day than someone who is not on dialysis. Once someone receives a kidney transplant, protein needs are generally the same as someone who does not have kidney disease. So what's the serving size of protein? If you're someone in the earlier stages of CKD not on dialysis, you can estimate it by using the palm of your hand. Someone with a larger palm of their hand would go with about half the palm. Someone with a smaller palm of their hand would go with about two thirds the size of their palm. If someone is being treated with dialysis, go with the full size of the palm of your hand or just over the palm of your hand if your hand is smaller. And if you're post-transplant, you can do about a quarter of your plate with a protein food. That's today's nutrition tip. I'm Melissa Prest, a registered dietitian nutritionist and the foundation dietitian for the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois. The Journey Continues is brought to you by the National Kidney Foundation of Illinois and sponsored by Donate Life Illinois. To learn more about kidney disease and living donation, visit www.nkfi.org. To register to become an eye, tissue, and organ donor, visit lifegoeson.com. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe to and leave a review for The Journey Continues in Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. This podcast is produced by Rivet. To hear more great podcasts, 
visit ribbit360.com.